Welcome to the Angelscapes podcast, where you're encouraged to uncover and develop a direct connection with your soul's power, wisdom, and spiritual intuition that is ready to blossom. We'll explore new ideas, compelling tips, and real steps to help you learn simple spiritual practices. We're a safe place to learn more about accessing your soul's power with education and spiritual wholeness that could bring more clarity to your life. Now here's your host, a practicing medium, Akashic Records practitioner, spirit artist, coach, and mentor, Dr. Reverend Nancy Smith. Is your ego your friend or is it your shadow? And how do you tell the difference? How do you know the difference? Hello, this is Angelscapes, and I am your host, Nancy Smith. So join me in this episode for a talk about your inner shadow. We all have egos that are full of beliefs, opinions, and absolute shoulds. How can you tell the difference between the voice of your inner wisdom and being blindly driven by your ego? The inner work is called shadow work. The word ego and the concepts attached to it have been tossed around for quite a bit in the spiritual circles and and the psychological studies. In some teachings, the ego is something to be overcome. Ego is seen as the source of the many sorrows. In psychological terms, a healthy ego is something to strive for. The term ego has so many preconceived ideas about it that I'm going to use the words awareness and consciousness in its place. The development of consciousness and awareness about the choices we make in our lives is a huge milestone on the path of living an enlightened life. And most of what I'm talking about in this episode, you can find in Divine Love Affair in Akashic Journey. Um, It's written by me and it's on Amazon. And it talks um, a lot about Akashic principles, but it also talks about the integration process from um, understanding how you're inner team works. And um, I call your ego, your inner team. So the inner work I teach is called soul integration and soul integration is the path to ascension, the path to enlightenment. And the three levels of consciousness that I talk about are the aware self, which is in your heart area, the unconscious self, which is in your lower, your lower chakra areas. It's a feeling, it's kind of a feeling center and the higher self or the subconscious mind, um, is is up above in your uh, your crown chakra, your third eye, and above that, um, your um, aware self also includes your th- throat chakra and your solar plexus, and your higher consciousness also includes your throat chakra, third eye, and your eighth chakra above your your ninth chakra above your head. So, in alignment with the three levels of consciousness, are three stages of aware self, and to um, want to kind of go back a little bit and why do you want to know about your aware self that aware self is your heart it's the key between um integrating your unconscious ego self and your higher conscious soul soul i think i feel like our spirit is right in our heart our essence our self-love who we are so three three stages of developing an aware self is first the sacred witness and secondly it's the experiences of the many selves within your unconscious self which is your ego's construct. And then the third is the awakening of an aware heart, an aware heart that that desires to be a bridge between your higher self and your unconscious self. Um, So I want to say hi, Sylvia, um, and uh, everyone who's listening to me. 
live on Facebook now, and then also who those who are listening to me in the recording in the podcast. I'm just sending out my heart, sending out my love to everybody. This is big work. This is um, important work for anyone that wants to achieve that ascension or that um, kind of an enlightened or integration is to me the most important thing that we do with our souls while we're here alive in this lifetime. So the first level, we're talking about the sacred witness, developing a witness or an observant self that is willing to see and observe everything within you without judgment. This observant self is also a sacred witness. Opening sacred space in your Akashic records will sustain and nurture your sacred witness, <clears throat> which means opening up that sacred space through prayer, through ritual, or, or intention, and allowing that sacred self to uh, be nurtured and exist um, in a neutral place. Your, um, <clears throat> your own Akashic records are already functioning as a sacred witness, and the Akashic records are in the um, chakras above your head. And sometimes they're impersonal, sometimes they're personal. But we want to have something alive and aware within yourself that connects, that you can you can easily connect to. This capacity to witness life in all of its aspects without trying to control the outcome is funded by your Akashic records. It's not funded by your own will, which is sometimes anchored in your ego constructs. This observing is done as pure insight, no judgment. And the reason you'll you'll understand a little bit as I talk about it, this no judgment is also a place where you're not going to suppress anything because you don't like it, or you're not going to skip over something because you think it's not important, which we do all the time. Your witness self sees everything, and it sees everything um, in as being valuable, everything as being, well, I don't want to use the value, valuable, but everything is being important. Everything is being part of the whole. And in this neutral place, everything that is part of the whole is precious and important. The witness doesn't react and it doesn't do anything. It just observes. You can go to your witness self. If you're not sure, how did that happen? Or what am I doing? You can go to your witness self and see the movie um, as, it, as it played out, even though your me memory of how the movie played out is full of judgment and suppression. Your, your, your neutral observer, your sacred witness will give it all to you. Um, <clears throat> this is a silent mode and needs to be unattached to whatever is taking place. This is not a rational um, self. This is not an emotional self. The state of awareness isn't aligned or attached to an agenda. It doesn't want to influence any other part of the self. There's no agenda here, baby. Simply a collection of data. The witness self's job is to observe that many selves in our unconsciousness is within our lives. And the expression of these selves is the next level of awakening. So the first level of awakening is that sacred witness, is the willingness to see yourself as you are through the sacred witness and to have a sacred space, soul, Akashic records, Akashic energy support you in that and accepting that in your life. Take a breath. So the second level is the experience of our many selves. When we're born, we get imprinted from our soul. It's our soul's unique and, and specific um, abilities are impressed in, into um, our unconscious self. Our abilities, our talents, our purpose, our inclinations, and our genetic makeup, and our soul's genetic makeup um, are all imprinted in these. Um, I feel like it's in several different places. It's, it's in the pineal gland, but it's also in the solar plexus. It's also deep within. Um, 
the middle of that feeling center just around our navel. Um, the spirit of a baby, when it's being um, developed and when it's born, it is like a fingerprint. It's very unique. And it's the only time, and it will be the only time, those, those talents and those gifts and that soul kiss is in the, a person, is in a, a being, a human being as it, as it comes forward. And at birth, the baby is vulnerable and dependent on the adult world. So the individual that lies inside the baby needs to establish itself and it needs to establish a way to be in the world. So the baby child learns ways to deal with the unpleasantness of life, uh, for his or her own well-being, and she he develops a control style that suits her. And this is the beginning of developing a unique personality. So you have that baby um, touched by the soul, and now you have the baby the personality that has been developed within that unconscious self, and now it's being um, tested out. How, what does mom say? What does dad say? Am I hungry? Am I not hungry? How am I being taken care of? How can I sort of take care of myself? But in, in a baby, baby's mind, a baby, young child, you're not taking care of yourself. You're interacting with the world so that you're provided for, maybe with a smile, maybe with a cry. So, um, and everything that has an action or a reaction to it, that tiny being learns from it. So we all have learned quite a bit before we're the age of three, um, even before the, we're the age of one, even before six months. We have a real good idea of what's going to work for us in our lives. And we present our needs through um, this unique personality that we have been gifted by our soul and by our, through our genetics. So as the baby grows into a child, he she develops aspects of the personality that relate to the input from the world around her, as well as the input that arises up from her soul, from her gifts. As her personality develops, aspect of her soul imprint will flourish and grow, while others, other gifts from the soul will be repressed and not developed at all. So we can um, talk a little bit about when we do shadow work, sometimes we're going in and we're getting the soul gifts that we don't even know that we have. That's some of the work that I do in the Akashic Records work. So along with the main personality um, of the of the child as they unfold, many smaller subpersonalities will develop depending on what's happening in their world around them and the input that they're getting and the action reaction that they're experiencing. So let's call those subpersonalities like selves or parts. And some of these selves will have nothing to do with her original intent before the soul that the soul had for her before he she or was born but has more to do with the, the world around us, um, the world around her. Um, and so she may develop um, mom's real, mom and dad are real slow to come get me when I'm hungry. So I'm going to either, you know, be very quiet and be a wonderful little caretaking child. So mom and dad like me and will come get me, or I'll be very loud and, uh, and, um, and carry on um, to make sure that I'm being taken care of. Or maybe I have an illness or I have, I have a little, trouble in my digestive system. So I cry a lot because I'm in pain a lot. And that can also impact the development of a personality. As her personality develops, um, again, um, these selves develop that help the child, the baby, infant, all the way up through our lives to help them cope and help them understand. And sometimes during trauma, a part will develop 
within the self that holds the trauma so that the child the child can move along and develop in life and so the trauma is held in a little box or a little sub personality um other sub personalities or selves or parts will develop because of the soul's imprint and her spirit and soul will have some influence on her personality as it develops because they they're imprinted they're they're designed and and it's like a little DNA structure in a, in a sort of non-scientific way of saying this um, that was within her spirit, her his, her spirit. And so that will develop. So sometimes you'll see, you know, you ask well, why it, you put two children in the same environment? Why are they so different? Well, that's their spirit. That's their gifts. That's their soul. That's their personality. Looking at the same situation, but having different perceptions or different skills or different um, of, um, you know, just the way that they respond to it is and see it is going to be different. And what they want to get out of the situation is going to be different from each, from each individual to another individual. Um, a child's personality and sense of self is also highly influenced by the way he, she is nurtured in the environment around her. And I, I heard a saying that our environment is often bigger there than our willpower. So our environment will talk to us very deeply about uh, life and about how to cope with life and how to do with life. You have a, we call it the silver spoon, where you've gotten everything that you've ever thought of. So you, so some people say, well, that's an entitled person. That's a person that just assumes they'll get everything they want. And then you'll have another person who has pretty much nothing and has to struggle for everything, including, you know, dinner on the table. And that child will have just a very different way of looking at life. Um, so um, all those different experiences give birth to sub-personalities or parts or um, if you ever watched the movie, Walt Disney movie, Inside Out, you'll have um, sub-personalities called joy, sadness, anger, disgust, fear, anxiousness. Um, so as the you as a child grow into an adult, you're already filled to the brim with inner selves, inner parts, and belief systems that will inform, influence, and control you. And you may have lost sight of your original self, or your, uh, your authentic self, or the essential self may have gone underground, and you begin to develop personality traits that will give you what you want or will give you what you need or support what it is you think you are feel you are perceiving and that all goes to your mind so you think beliefs you think through your feelings um so so now the he she child is now operating under the influence of many voices in her unconscious self this becomes an ego construct like a little architecture a little little house that you're now living in and here's the rules of the house every single aspect of the child's personality the personal self has her best interest in mind only it comes from a skewed perspective depending on who what or where the child learned as the child grew up he she grew up um so a skewed perspective what i mean is that if a three-year-old is learning how to deal with um, a temperamental father, the three-year-old will come up with all kinds of stories and all kinds of ways of coping and all kinds of ways of working with this temperamental personality. And so sometimes though that three-year-old never grows up to become an adult, develops a system of coping and that system of coping can last an entire lifetime. So when that child 
comes across another temperamental person called these bonding patterns and and um this has to deal with them they may revert back to what looks like a very young child or a very young way of coping with things so put that you know think about that for a little bit so um so in this awakening to awareness is about experiencing the many selves within yourself and being willing to see feel and um acknowledge parts within yourself that you didn't realize were alive and well and and uh, kind of taking over driving the bus sometimes of your the bus of your life without you even realizing it so the third level of becoming an aware self is the awakening of a, an aware heart third level is the key integrating the key to integrating our unconscious voices of with our souls our unconscious voices of all the selves and all the parts and then the awakening of the aware heart now integrates or creates a bridge to the soul, to the spirit of what the soul has intended for our life now or that child's life now. And once the messages and subpersonalities are viewed objectively, they no longer have the unconscious pull on your ability to make choices in your life. The center of your power and ability to choose is an aware sense of self. When you are in a situation where you feel like you cannot choose, or uh, you're compelled to do something, you are working from the subpersonality, you are working from your unconscious self, you're not working from your aware self. That's a tell. I feel like I have to do this, or this is so important, I don't even know how to not do this, uh, or, or not have this point of view, because this is the truth of my life, is an underdeveloped subpersonality. It's, it is a part of you. It's not the aware part of yourself. Without awareness of authentic self, our ability to see and choose freely will will be taken over by, say, that three-year-old who, I know how to deal with the, the uh, traumas. I know how to do this. And all of a sudden, you've got a three-year-old driving the car of your life. These parts in your inner selves, they know a lot and they want to serve you and they want to help you, but they only know as far as they've developed. Maybe they've developed to be seven. Maybe they're 13 years old. Maybe they're 21 years old. Maybe they're um, pre-language even. Um, sometimes when we deal with um, absolute panic and fear and we can't say what's going on, we're in a pre-language um, part of ourselves that's just taken over. Um, and as an aware per person, as an aware self, we, we want to kind of, okay, uh, I see the babies in front. We want to know how to take care of that part of ourselves and come back into our aware self well, we understand that this is a trigger. This is this is something that's very painful for us and we either need to step back or we need to put more tools into place. And sometimes we don't know what those tools are until we've come to that neutral place that aware self and we begin to build those tools. So whenever that traumatic, traumatized baby comes out, we take a deep breath, pause, step back and say, okay, where's the tools? You know, and we can nurture ourselves or we can acknowledge that that this is a big deal. We've been triggered. So as we make more consciously aware choices, we will begin to uncover our spirit self, which contains all the gifts our souls intended us to have in this lifetime, as well as our soul's purpose for sending us here. So that's the other reason for developing an aware self. We have all these ego constructs that are now driving our lives, but our soul is no longer driving our lives. Remember, we lost that authentic self and and getting hold of that authentic self means we got to start being aware of who we are, what's operating under the hood of our car, and how we are moving along. Um, so let's break down cells in your ego structure. Let's break that down a little bit. 
The primary self is an expression of self that is clearly developed. A primary self can be a protector, a pusher, a critic, or a controller. It, it, it's very clear. It, it moves us forward. It, it does what helps us do what we're supposed to do to thrive in our lives. It's primary self. And um, the voices, the selves, and the sub-personalities are all expressions of parts of our consciousness that haven't grown or developed to maturity yet. They're all frozen in a time, at a certain age and maturity level, usually due to unresolved hurt or trauma or, or any number of things. But they stopped growing, but they're still informing you. They're still giving. They're in the rule book, very alive and well, saying this is how things work. And um, the reason that I say and the reason and how you know that they're not fully matured or fully developed is the rules. The rules have to be done that way. And they have not integrated into our aware self. Once those parts, and we'll talk a little bit about what happens and how you can do that. Once those parts grow and mature and see that they're part of a whole and not just their own individual part, they will integrate into your consciousness and they will become you won't hear from them as much. They'll become all the gifts that they have, all the knowing that they have will be integrated into grown up and integrated into your adult self. So, um, and so you won't necessarily have that three-year-old meltdown when you're 65 years old, trying to do whatever it is that you're trying to do. A belief system is a belief that a group of primary or, or parts or subpersonalities agree upon and they all support. Often subpersonalities are developed in the unconscious to specifically support a certain belief. Beliefs can be, uh, we're always poor, our family's always poor, we never have money in other belief systems. We always get sick, we always get cancer or, um, or don't trust men. Men are bad is another family belief system. And then everything that we think and do and see and re people that relate to all support that belief system. So if you want to break a belief system, you got to take a look at all the things that support what it is that you're believing and begin to look at those um, objectively and, and kind of maybe take them apart and, and um, step away from them if you want to change a belief system. If you want to get out of poverty mentality, it's not a small step of just I want to get out of poverty mentality and I'm going to think of money and everything is going to be fine. It's it's working all, all those belief systems that have been built within you since you were born, even before you were born, because we're talking about ancestral beliefs now too. So also another um, example would be a belief that you aren't smart enough. And that may, may have been reinforced by a bully part um, with a voice that constantly tells you you're wrong and you won't understand what you're learning and you're not that smart. And I've seen... Um, people go through that where they really would struggle um, trying to learn something um, and they they've got it. You could see that they've nailed it and they certainly are smart enough, but they believe that they're not. So they they always miss, they, 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 they stop short of the mark that they want to reach because there's an inner bully saying you, you can't do this. And that inner bully can come from mom, they come from dad, it can come from the family belief systems that say, you know, our, we're not our family we're not the smart ones, you know, we're meant, we're meant to, you know, we're not meant to be engineers and, and we're not meant to be CEOs. We're just meant to be the hardworking people. And th those are belief structures. Um, and they're supported usually by people, places, and things. And then I want to talk about archetypes, our models of behavior that reflect our beliefs about how life works and how things should be. Archetypes are based on role models that we have experienced or fantasized in our lives. Could be the X-Men. Um, it, it could be um, saints and angels, but some common archetypes are more like mother, 
father, sibling, priest, prostitute, victim, a saboteur, a failure, a scapegoat. Each archetype will have at least two sides, a dark side with negative attributes and a light side with positive attributes. So when you have, so for example, um, if you have an inner mother that you have created within yourself, who's based on your mother, for instance, so your inner mother is highly critical and protective. And the inner mother is based on, again, your experience of your mother from your perspective, usually. So your inner archetype of mother may be your boss and protector in your ego construct. And um, she contains the beliefs and the shoulds that you learned as a child. I'm talking about she, the, the, the internalized mom. And this is your go-to place of feeling and thinking. And this inner mom shows up when you need to make a decision and when you are in relationships of all kinds and when you are trying to grow and experience new things. Your inner mom may show up to protect you or criticize you or boss you out of it. Um, and uh, sometimes we can find those inner protectors. Um, they could they, they could nurture you or they, or they could stop you in their tracks, but they want to keep you safe. So if they feel that's something that you're about to embark on, they're not feeling particularly safe about them, that situation. They will nudge you and kind of talk you down. A lot of negative self-talk and a lot of feelings of doubt will arise within you and you'll be like all oh, fear and trepidation. I can't move forward on this. And that is because your inner archetype mom, who is your boss and your protector, is stopping you in your tracks. And it's not who you want to be. It's not where you want to go, but it's an old, old voice that's telling you um, how things work. Um, my mom, my inner mom, um, I was just talking about this the other day. Uh, I was in high school um, and we, uh, not many in my family had gone on to college, just a few. And my my mom's generation and, uh, and my dad's generation there were two kids, well, there were four kids, two out of four, the guys went to school, the women did not. And when I wanted to be an artist, when I started to develop those artistic flares and skills and design, well, my dad said to me, you have to be smart in math and you need to know statistics or else you're not going to be smart enough to be an architect. So I took that right off my list because I really struggled with math. Later, I found out my dad passed his math classes with D's. And I said, gee, that was something I shouldn't have even listened to him. But my mom was key here. She said, if you're not talented enough to get a scholarship to art school, then you're not talented to survive as an artist. You'll never make it. And if so, why bother? So she, she was very much against, I went to art school anyway. Um, but as I went to art school and I moved away, um, I was, my mom uh, rejected me. Uh, and I was on my own. And then later, um, even at this age, um, hearing that voice, if you're not um, talented enough in your business to excel at this certain point, um, it's, it was left over from my mom's voice uh, that you'll never excel kind of thing. So um, I've had to really take a look at that voice and that that influence that's been happening within myself. That's my shadow self. That's my shadow self. Uh, and if you have something like that, you're stuck or blocked in a desire or situation, um, that's your shadow. And that and that subpersonality that looks like mom holds your ability to nurture yourself and help yourself to grow. And she also holds all the reasons you can't move forward. So the, the positive part of having an archetype of a mother hold uh, a personality would be that mothering also has the nurturing, has the growth, has the acceptance, has 
all the gifts, the feminine gifts that could go forward, but they're wrapped up in um, packages that you, that you've experienced from a small child. So you have decided what it's all about. And so coming to that place, working the shadow would be, so what do you do? Working the shadow, how do you do it? Um, would be taking a look at what's actually, how the machine is operating, how the motor is running, and then decide, do I want the motor to run this way? Or what do I want to do? So you call me, I'm, I'm, um, I just wanted to tell you, I'm um, do this work with a lot of my clients. So you, I'm at nancy at angelscapes.net, or you can private message me, or you can set up a free consult and we can talk about how we would work this. But what do you do? First of all, you open sacred space, um, which is opening, for me, it's opening the Akashic records. For me, it's opening up my spirit. It's inviting my soul, my guides, my healers, grounding myself into mother earth, just to create a sphere of love and acceptance around me. And then as I do that, and I and I bring in these higher powers that vibrate even higher than I do um, through my breath work, through my prayer, through my intention, and then I bring forward, I kind of call this voice dialogue, but I, uh, and this is an old um, technique, voice dialogue. I, I, um, I let that part of myself speak up. So we were started with the mother who's our boss and protector. So invite, okay, Ma, come on, talk to me, you know, that part of myself. Um, and I let that part of myself identify my, itself and explain how they're trying to help me and how they're trying to communicate with me and all the feelings and all the tools that they're using to poke at me and and um, I let them tell me what their mission in life is. Then I ask them, how old are you? When, when did you start working in my life? Well, I've been here since you were two. And I'm like, okay, so those two-year-old skills, we could, you know, I just listen. I'm not trying to change anything, but as I listen, I listen with great love and appreciation, forgiveness, understanding, because this part of myself has gotten me this far and maybe it can't get me any farther, but that doesn't matter. They, I need to appreciate and respect myself. And once something is observed, this is a kind of a spiritual law or a physical, a natural law, actually, once something is observed, it changes the metaphysical law. Um, so your inner mom boss that wants to help you as it expresses itself in sacred space, um, it the vibrate everything vibrates. The vibration of that belief, that essence that's within you is now um, in a sacred space where there is sacred mother vibration, where there is the vibration of, hey, wait, you know, there's more to life than this. And you can invite that part of yourself to be part of that higher vibration. And since everything vibrates, this is the other metaphysical law, natural law, vibration wants to rise to the highest level of vibration that's around it. You know, water wants to kind of Go to the uh, go to its lowest level, gravity, and that's why we have levels that work. They only kind of they flatten out at its lowest level. Where vibrations wants to elevate at the highest level, and so whatever is present in the environment that that's why we go sacred space and invite in the soul, soul, and invite in the healers, the angels, um, and that vibration encompasses us while we're talking to that part of ourselves that is struggling um, to help protect us and save us and and as they vibrate in their truth there's another truth vibrating around them and they begin to grow and blossom and learn we can't force them we can't hide them we can't change them we simply want to invite them to to be themselves and then be themselves in their higher perspective in their higher vibration so um this is the uh, secret to healing um our inner and integrating our inner um unconscious self with her higher conscious self so here's the part that's amazing this is shadow work 
Remember I said everything has a positive and a negative within it. So what unleashes for you or what comes clear is you have that restrictive, making this up, boss, mom, protector, restrictive, now you can't go there, negative, is now all of a sudden, but I want to nurture you. I want you to be okay. I want you to be happy. I want you to be joyful. And it begins to see another way. It begins to vibrate at another concept, another perception. And so the shift starts to happen. We're not forcing the shift. We're simply being in that place of allowing a place of observing and a place of love and soul and that higher power. And we allow ourselves to unfold. And once something, once a part of ourselves has unfolded um, into that higher understanding, it begins to integrate itself into our consciousness with all of its gifts, not just some of its gifts. It's not holding back anymore. So the nurturing, the, the curiosity, the support that, that is feminine will start to work in, in your highest best and your most positive and eventually like i said integrate into your wise self so you have all the experiences of that part of yourself and as it moves into its higher self you get all the wisdom from it see no no part is left behind here in this integration work so as if we, we don't like a part of ourselves say you decided well you know i don't like this mother part of myself so i'm going to suppress her anything that we suppress or that goes underground has even more power in our lives um, to uh, to influence us from a, a subconscious way or a subtle way it kind of sneaks in there because now we're going to suppress you i don't want to know about you so i'm not going to pay attention to you so it gets free reign to do whatever it wants what we want to do is bring it into our conscious mind this is shadow work bring it in front of us bring it um, forward so that we could have a conversation. And once we have a conversation, we realize that this part isn't who I really am. And this part over here isn't really who I am. It's part of me, but the whole is my aware self and my heart is my wisdom self. So who are you really? Our minds are often buffeted back and forth between conflicting ideas and feelings. And we ask, which part of me should I believe? Which do I should believe this? Should I believe? I never have to make a decision. And you have the devil on and the angel on the other side, devil on the shoulder, and they're arguing with each other. And they're arguing with you and you're like, I don't, I don't know what, what is right and what's wrong. Well, they're both right and they're both wrong. And so your aware self is about finding the gems in both and integrating both and deciding what is the outcome that I want? How do I how I want, how do I want to feel about this? What do I want to experience? So that um, it negate, it doesn't negate what's talking. You now are using and aware of the tools that each part is bringing you so that you can apply those tools to go for where you want, as opposed to which one do I agree with? Um, we are creating the conflict. It's hard to figure out which belief to lo be loyal to because we feel like we're being disloyal to ourselves no matter what we choose. So um, when doing the shadow work, you will learn to dig for the true voice that will unite your inner conflicts. And um, when you're in an inner conflict, I would say that you're in shadow and you're in the parts and they're arguing with each other and you're in charge. Just remember you're in charge. You will discover that there are gems in all the beliefs you have and there's lies and there's truth in all the beliefs. Belief is spelled be lie. <laughs> It's a big lie in the beliefs. Um, it is your aware self in alignment to your soul that can and will sort them out so that they can live, so that you can live the life that you want and love. So you're not, you're not trying to 
um, overcome your thoughts, your beliefs, your systems, your systems within yourself or your the things that are trying, those parts of yourself that are trying so hard to help you, but they're working on unlimited tools. You want to integrate them, get their special part, but you need to do it with a higher source, with your soul, with, with your inner healer, and sometimes with a person who can walk you through it. You don't want to disown any part of yourself. Let's say you don't like the bossy, protective mom within you. So we talked about that a little bit. Um, and so you disown her. And the gems um, that you disown, um, your ability uh, also will, what you'll leave is your, your uh, ability to discern danger or either your ability to nurture through inner growth and your ability to protect yourself. Um, it's not good to disown any part of yourself, no matter how frustrated people's parts may be, because each part has a gem in the raw that you need to retrieve and integrate within yourself. Um, that's soul retrieval. Retrieval is retrieving a part of yourself, even though it may need healing and balancing, offers you your greatest gifts within yourself. And, as, and this is what makes you whole. This is what makes us whole. And as we heal, become healing yourself, isn't about quieting down all those voices. Isn't about making everything wonderful, even though it's not. It's about healing yourself. Is about becoming whole. It's bringing all the players to the table, and that shadow work, bringing all the players to the table, and and seeing their point of view, and encouraging them to um, grow in their perspective with um, a flow of the higher flow of nature, with the higher flow of Source, God, the Akasha, your soul your spirit, um, and that, that in, in that sense of things. Um, I, I have a couple of stories I wanted to share with you, people that I've worked with. Um, I worked with a, a fellow, um, Gary, I'm just making up these names, so don't think you know this person, um, who had a, a very domineering father, for instance. He was a very quiet guy, and he often had lots of great ideas, but all, had trouble expressing them. And if somebody uh, confronted him or got in the way uh, of, of, you know, I'm smarter than you, I know more than you, let me do it. He was really horrible um, with setting boundaries with bullies kind of thing. Um, and he had a very domineering father who was very hurtful. And he heard, his father heard a lot of people, including his mother, including himself. He goes, I'm never going to be like my father. So um, he, all of those aspects of his father, he rejected within himself but he also lost his ability to be assertive, to be creative, to stand up for his own ideas, to, um, to um, gosh, his creativity was really gone. And um, to the point where sometimes he wasn't creative at all. He just said, I, I can't think of anything. He was in fear a lot. So what happened by disowning his father's um, personality, he did not allow those traits to develop and grow within him. And at one point, he, his inner father, um, who he had banished to the, uh, outskirts of his mind, um, he invited him back in. And as he invited him back in, um, there was some forgiveness that needed to happen. He was able to um, bring back the assertiveness, be, bring, bring back, sometimes we can be a bully and stand up for ourselves and bring back the really creative way that his father had of solving problems. Um, and, um, his, and then he could just release. Uh, so there was this whole patient, impatient thing where um, I have the time to create what I need to create. However, I'm not, I'm not gonna be um, platonic about it. I'm not gonna pro, uh, procrastinate anymore. I'm gonna take action and do it. So he began to apply what he learned from his father to his own personality, 
to who he was as, um, as, a, as a personality, as a person, what he wanted to create took, took a while, took a few couple of years, a few years. And then um, eventually he was able, he, he grew to the point where he was able to really create some of the dreams that he wanted in his life, um, to have the kind of relationships he wanted to have with people um, and to have um, working career business relationships where he was speaking him what he speaking up and making creative solutions and being valued in his job it took a long time to trust himself to speak up because he never trusted himself because that looked too much like his father do you see where i'm going with this so another uh story i have is um um there mary came to me um she was a neglected child um, I talked to, about this personality trait a little bit earlier. She she um, was not loved, not nurtured, and she became the child that needed to please. And that's how she got a little bit of modicum of nurturing from her parents and a little bit of attention. Uh, so she could never be the child that caused trouble in the family. She always had to be the one that was helpful and kind. And as she um, grew up into her um, life, into her adult life, she had just much like Gary had trouble speaking up and saying what she wanted or what she needed and, and began to choose relationships. This is bonding pattern that were just like her relationships with her parents because that's what she figured out how she could do that. And so she she uh, followed that pattern until she realized that uh, she she couldn't do it anymore. I mean, she it was her making those choices. It was her not being able to um, stand up in relationships to say what she wanted. And it took years for her, but she um, worked through. Um, a lot of her fears and uh, let go of a relationship and um, let go of a couple jobs and began to step into her own power. Actually, was, she was a lot older um, when she did that. And she had, she had like three or four kids and one of her kids took on the role of being the bully in her life. And, um, and because she was the caretaker and the pleaser, she allowed this child to develop that personality to, to be that, um, that imbalanced and she took responsibility for it. I mean, she doesn't have relationship with this fellow anymore. She can't because the, um, the, the boy took on his father's traits and it became dangerous for her. So it was, um, she stood up to that and said, you know, I, I know I'm part of this. I understand my role in it now, but I can't change it. On the other hand, I'm not going to live with this. So it was a hard uh, role that she, she um, had to do, but it really, but her soul's growth was tremendous as she said when she finally said I, I can't do I mean I've refused to do these relationships anymore I'm going to speak up I'm going to say what I need to say um I had another this was an amazing story of a woman who um was not sure about her history she was she was adopted and um she wanted to um she wanted to go back to school and she wanted to to change her her career path. She wanted to do something different. Where she was doing doesn't fit in her. And she was pretty smart. She had all the pieces in place. She said, I just can't pull the trigger. I can't do this. And so we um, did a session, soul retrieval session, where I traveled back. And um, and as she and she traveled with me. And we found a part of herself that was lost during those years where she was, uh, before she was adopted, before she had a real, before she had actually parent parents where she was kind of moved around from place to place. And um, we found that that lost young, young part of herself and brought it back into her life. So whether uh, it was her creativity, that was her sense of self, that was, that was a part of her spirit that needed to be nurtured and brought along. 
And that was a beautiful, uh, things really changed for her. And um, she, uh, what choices she made and she could pull the trigger. She was moving forward on stuff, but she, but she was being very nurturing and kind to herself where she was, was not nurturing and kind to herself for quite a long time. It was a beautiful, beautiful stories. And these are all about um, belief systems and soul parts and, and unconscious parts that drive us. Um, I have another um, story, so many of them, because I've worked with so many people. Um, there's Ellen, um, she forgot about her inner power. She had a very strong family. Um, and in the family system, both her mother and her father, and the whole, it was strong structure, but the dad died. So there was trauma with there. And um, she, uh, the trauma took away some of that inner power, just took away that inner strength. And she was a very strong, smart, caring woman, brilliant, um, nurturing. Um, it's just that part of, I've lost something and I'm not sure what to do with it. And as she uh, found a, um, a man and married him, had a wonderful career, had had a couple of kids. And then the, his family structure began to overcome her family structure and take over and say, uh, tell her how she was going to raise her kids or, and, and, and there were no boundaries and she, and they were living situations that were untenable. And she could not, she goes, why can't I push back? I know this isn't right for me and my family and my husband, but her husband couldn't stand up to him. And as a result of that, she couldn't stand up to them. And so we, there was another soul retrieval where we found that part of herself that she was lost when her father died and um, actually had in a mediumship session where um, the loved one came through and said, do you remember how strong you are? Do you remember who you are? Do you remember what our family is about? Do you remember how much we loved each other? And in, and, uh, in that uh, session, we also did a, a soul retrieval. And uh, she was able to very slowly, um, very gently say no and, and not take on her husband's inability to say no to his parents. She stood on her own two feet and said, you know, you're, you're not going to do this with my kids our bedtime is the, this is bedtime. This is what's happening. And she found her voice and brought a lot of uh, balance and uh, into her life and, and confidence. And she trusted herself to do these things. So all of this is shadow work. All of this is bringing yourself around to a place of, of owning yourself and, and living from your soul, living from your spirit and to, to live the life that your soul intended you to live. And, um, so the shadow work is is what I do um, when we talk about uh, soul intensives, when we talk about Akashic work, we're bringing you back into your full self and alignment with your soul and your gifts, your true gifts. And we maybe dig down and pull some gifts that you didn't even know you had because they've been submerged since you were a teeny little thing. And um, and I'm, so I'm going to encourage you guys to um, think about what are your shadows? Uh, what is it that you want to experience that you're not experienced? What are the inner voices telling you that you don't agree with? And um, you can change these things. Um, you can grow you, and you can um, work your shadow to become fully um, realized in your life. So I want to leave you with those thoughts. And um, if you have any questions, you can contact me through my website, angelscapes.net. And you're really interested in this work. Um, set up a discovery session with me and we'll, we'll talk some more about how to do this work and how it could benefit you. So angelscapes.net. So I bring you tools um, in all of these 
podcasts for your own soul's growth and your spirit's development, for your learning and your quality of living. And this is one of the tools that I feel like is one of the more powerful tools in my toolbox so that you could have a soul power living to create a life you want and love. And um, I want to say this is the end of the episode and we'll talk to you um, next time. Take care. Thank you for joining the Angelscapes podcast. We hope you've gained new insights and inspiration for your journey to uncover and access your soul's power. For more information and a deeper dive into finding clarity in your life, go to angelscapes.com. Remember to subscribe so you can be part of the discussion. It may just change your life. See you next time.